Multiply family of churches, we are Behind Open Doors, a podcast designed to take you behind the scenes, discovering what it takes to multiply disciples, leaders, and new churches. We're located in the U.S., the Hampton Roads region of Virginia. Visit us at multiplythechurch.com. Well, hello again, again, everybody. My name is Aaron Danini. I am the executive director of the Multiply Family of Churches, and I'm here, as usual, in a good way, with my friend, Director of Missions, John Slinker. Is there another? There is no other. <laughs> We're excited to bring you a not, guest today, actually. Not me. There is not another me. There is not another you. Uh, you I really don't want you to answer the first question, actually. Okay, let's keep rolling. <laughs> uh, we're going to bring in a guest today and talk through his story as we continue this season of sit-downs, rounding out the Behind Open Doors podcast season one. We're excited about this conversation yeah. today. Uh, recently, you and I got to go out to Liberty University, mm-hmm. which is only a few hours away from here. This guy and, came along. Uh, yeah, Robbie was with us. We had a bunch of guys go out there. And uh, Church Advancement Week is uh, what yep. we got to participate in out there, man. It was a blast. Um, you know, what was originally like, oh, this is going to be amazing. We're going to get so many people to come and plant churches with us. We're going to interns, all this stuff. Um, it, it, the reality is... We were kind of settled in to, to know this is our third time going. We were kind of seeing like, all right, we're, we get to talk to some students, um, and that's great. We have internships now that we can offer them, and that's great. But most importantly, it's about getting in those seminary classrooms. Um, for me, it was about also building relationships with some of the faculty um, because when, when people – we want people to think about church planting in Hampton Roads mm-hmm. and think about Multiply. Yeah. Um, you know, and so uh, that's really one of our goals there is to, to, to be a part of that. Um, but what has become a, a great advantage of this little trip is uh, somewhat of a guy's retreat, you know, uh, as we as we go out there. Yeah, there's not not a ton of fringe benefits in this line of work except for the community. Yeah. And uh, getting to be able to go hang out for a few nights and take over an Airbnb with eight or nine, maybe you know, 12. I think at one point we probably had 12 guys there and only eight drove up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was really neat. We, uh, a lot of us have people that are in Lynchburg at the moment. Uh, and it was fun to all coalesce and hang out. Yeah, indeed. And, um, we, we ate some of the best steaks that I've ever made. Yeah, and props. I've Good ever job. had. Like it was, it was fantastic. Very the good. The meal was great. The, the spread was nice. It was. And um, we we did a good job. Yes, yep. we did. It was way cheaper yes. to do that than it was to go out to a meal for all of us. I don't know if so. we ate out. <laughs> I don't remember eating out. We probably did. Maybe lunch or something uh, like that. Yeah. But yeah, we got to talk to a lot of students. It's always refreshing to talk to this the generation that's probably technically two behind us now, uh, which is crazy to think about. Um, but just it's just refreshing to know that there are kids that are 20 years old that actually love Jesus yep. and that are trying to pursue ministry or at least thinking about their careers in light of the kingdom, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're saying, hey, come plant churches on a team, yes. right? Be a nurse, be a teacher, be a truck driver, be an aviator, be a, be something and do church planting while you're doing that yep. was really our pitch to some of the younger ones, which has been uh, really refreshing to see kids that are actually thinking about that. We're yep. like, yeah, I want to do that. That sounds amazing. Yeah. It's also neat to go with you guys who have children that are interested and in potentially 
Yeah, and are already talking about yeah. college and what their future holds. Yeah. I'm not ready to talk about it, but they're, right, they're, right. Re- they're ready to talk okay. about it. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, my oldest is 15 uh, and will be starting to drive here in, in March, and mm. uh, I'm, I'm a little nervous about all that. And then, yeah. of course, with that comes college talk, school talk. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Peering so. <laughs> over the, the softball fences and into the, yeah. into the yeah. gymnasiums and workout facilities and whatnot, all the things that I think of when I think of college. Of course. Um, and no, it's a lot of fun. And yeah. uh, the students are out there, the young people, the next generation that, that cares about God, that cares about their community, that cares about their family, and honoring him and being faithful followers of Jesus and making disciples and planting churches, they're still out there. They haven't disappeared. They haven't gone away. A lot of times we think that uh, that, that generation uh, will be no more. Um, just that vague, that, whatever, mm-hmm. generation. Um, but it's really encouraging every time we go to meet the leaders of those students, to hear their hearts about how they're leading them, and, and to see how they're shepherding um, those students towards towards life in any direction go wherever god's called you to go but be on mission as you're doing it yeah and that's actually our first priority yeah and it's really neat to and i just gotta say too and those of you that might be thinking well all right they mentioned liberty university i know who these guys are i know what tribe they're in um first of all i'll be nice um don't judge too soon um, because uh, I think what was Liberty University is no longer. Um, I heard multiple times different professors and faculty say it's a new day. Um, And we see it. We we see it. um, So I'm telling you, believe it. It's actually true. Mm -hmm. Uh, Documentary just came out. Um, You can say what you want about the previous leadership at the Liberty University. Um, That's fine. uh, Because that, there was a lot of impropriety, a lot of uh, things that went wrong there, and that's true. Um, but what's also true is the new, the old leadership is gone, and um, there are great, great Jesus-loving, gospel-centered people there um, that are that are just trying to support the local church yep. um, as they educate kids, and um, and we see it mm-hmm. firsthand. So unless you get to go and see it firsthand and you see something different than we see, then we can have that conversation. But the reality is uh, some good things are coming out of, of that school. Um, not perfect things, but, but, but good things. And, uh, yeah. and we're excited to be a part of that. They're, you know, they've, uh, they've got their work cut out for them, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That being said. And sure. I think they're crushing it. They're, they're doing a good job. Um, a lot of the leaders of departments you know, ha- have been or are currently in ministry or in church planting or, or in the field. They're not just sitting in a classroom. They're, yeah. they're doing it, yeah. and they're showing their students how to do it, and it's really neat. Uh, yeah. Really excited about everything that's going on there. And speaking of leadership and Liberty University, we had an awesome conversation with a man that we know to be a leader uh, who is also a Liberty alum. Mm-hmm. And uh, he hails from Raymore, Missouri, which is about 10, 15 minutes away from where I grew up in South Kansas City, where he was born and raised. He was a multi-sport athlete in golf and baseball. You're going to hear about his father, who was a minister and what that was like growing up. His mother being an accountant, who's a nurturer. His brother, who was a model to him. Also that he studied business management at Southwest Baptist University. He was uh Married in July of 2019, and and you're going to get to hear some great 
yeah. testimony yeah. about his relationship. Lock in on that, young people. If you're not married yet, lock into what we talk about with, uh, with him and Katie. He was a delivery driver at Lynchburg when, his, when he was there for Bloom by Doyle's. He was delivering flowers, and uh, now he's a sort of pastor of theology and an equipper of equippers. He helps all of our teachers and equippers out at the Multiply family of churches, and he's also pastoring currently in Michigan uh, as we speak. And it was just an honor to get to hang out with him yet again a week later after our trip to Liberty and have this conversation with him. My heart was blessed. We believe yours will be too. For sure. Let's jump into our conversation with Brad O'Dell. Why don't we uh, actually get into this then? Go ahead and uh, why don't you tell us um, a little bit about your family. Paint a picture for us. Um, just like kind of where where you grew up and what it, what it was like um, in a condensed form. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we want to know more about you, Bradley O'Dell. Yeah, uh, I grew up in the South Midwest and the South. My childhood years were spent in Northwest Arkansas, and then kind of my middle school and teenage years, college years, were spent in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, and Southwest Missouri. And so I am a kind of slower pace of life, uh, Midwest guy. Um, a lot of comfort food is probably too mm. prevalent in my life. Uh, so uh, I think when John and I were growing up in Kansas City for about a five-year stretch there, Kansas City was uh, the fattest city in the nation, and it was wow. kind of a claim to fame. Yeah, it was, it was okay. a claim to fame. For, wasn't an embarrassment. Everybody was really proud of it. It's because so, we have uh, the best barbecue. That's mm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I do like some KC and, barbecue, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Barbecue and cheese on everything. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of location. Um, my dad was a pastor, small church planter, uh, and just grew up in that kind of around 100 people to under 100 people, very intimate and difficult and unique ways type of church life. And just didn't think I'd ever get into that. Um, I, growing up, I didn't know what God would call me to, but I thought absolutely that it wouldn't be ministry. That was the one thing that just nothing in my heart said yes to. Uh, I think, you know, there's another side of ministry when you're in it, uh, that people are difficult. Uh, people can be um, very hurtful. And uh, I think in the church, that is true. And it, it just it, it smarts or it stings, uh, particularly because it just seems like the place where it ought not happen, but sinful people are sinful people. So, um, I kind of had a bitterness for the church, honestly, growing up and it was a journey for God to work that out of my heart and call me to his purposes. And it was only by his grace that that happened, uh, hmm. not by anything I did. And so, um, other than that, I just had parents who loved the Lord, were faithful in their marriage, faithful to love people and to live sacrificial lives. Had a brother who, an older brother who uh, was just a really good example of a man of integrity that I could look up to. And so when the Lord got a hold of my heart and I actually started getting serious about my faith, I just was surrounded by these wonderful people as examples and also as friends and mentors. Uh, you know, family to 
walk alongside me on that journey. So what was your relationship with your parents? Like, were you, um, were you kind of rebellious towards them? Uh, were you endeared towards them? Uh, were you a mama's boy? What, what was it like? I, I had a particular heart for my mom in a way that so, yes. was my brother. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that my brother, it didn't seem to have my brother and my mom were kind of the same personality. And so they clashed a lot, uh, very type a, very kind of, um, their own person. And so, I, I think I, I don't know. Uh, I think I understood my mom in some ways. I saw and was really affected by a lot of people who had just not loved her well and not cared for her well in life. And uh, so I, I did have a heart for her. Personality-wise, I was very much like my dad, though, and we were not clashing personalities. We both liked to jack around a lot and not take things seriously. So we could do that all day, but not really get down into things of significance readily. But I honestly, I had great relationships with both of my parents, unique to both of them. And um, I think I wasn't necessarily rebellious. I just didn't respect their opinion and their wisdom. And it, it just seemed simplistic and trite to me. Uh, and so when it came to pursuing sin and uh, living in that I wasn't openly rebellious. I was duplicitous and deceptive. Um, I just hit a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And my rationale was, I don't want to bring that hurt into their life. I know they'll be disappointed. I know they'll be sad. Um, and uh, I don't want to do that. So I'll just do this without telling them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, it did kind of create this duplicitous heart in me that ended up being, you know, a big battle of faith down the road. Mm-hmm. Before we get on to leaving and cleaving, I, I have to ask what your relationship with your father was like. Uh, was there any core memories that you have of him being in the ministry? Uh, but also just what was your relationship with your dad like? Really wonderful. I, I Especially as I meet other people in here more in detail about what their relationship with their fathers were like. Uh, my dad is a good-hearted, kind, loving, funny guy and I just I thought he was funny my whole life and I and so I I wanted to be like him in a lot of ways but when it came to ministry part of this is growing up in a secular culture and we still experience this in ministry now when when you're talking to people and you ask them what they do they readily oh I'm a manager at a electrical company and you're like oh okay what's that about um and then they ask you and you're like oh I'm a pastor uh, and everyone just kind of shuts down. They don't quite know what to do with it. It makes them feel awkward. They're like, oh, man, I cussed once. I'm sorry about that. Like, no, you don't. There's, Every there's a, time. Every there's time. a strangeness to yep. it. And yep. so growing up when people are just kind of bragging on what their dads do, my dad's bigger and stronger than yours and stuff. Uh, I do think keep... I was. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I I experienced that through just being a child and like people didn't know how to respond. And I, I was kind of embarrassed of what my dad did because um, I didn't understand its import and, and it didn't, it wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't cool. in the, I guess in the broad sense. Um, and so that was, that was unfortunate, but it didn't really affect my relationship with my dad. I think, uh, I think it just, it actually makes the relationship now sweeter because in ministry, when I, 
come across stuff that I've never come across before. He's the first person I call, and it's just awesome to have such a close and reliable source that I can turn to. Mm-hmm. It's always readily available. So that's that's sweet. That's I love that. I, I'm I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> Tell yeah. us about your lovely bride. You guys were uh, married on July 27th of 2019. 2019. And uh, how did you guys meet? We met on a trip to Israel. So um, this was a trip that was heavily subsidized by the state of Israel and some Christian organization donors. And it was for education age people. Oh, my puppy just ran in uh, here. And uh, it was for kind of people in their education years. And so I was at the latter end of my seminary program and she was still doing her undergraduate education there. So we're, we got an age gap. Um, and we, yeah, we met on that trip and just honestly, we're best friends from, from kind of moment one. I was the first person she talked to when she came in the airport that we were meeting at JFK airport and we started talking and we just didn't stop talking. It was, it was a seven hour security process because we were a bunch of Americans flying into Israel. They didn't trust us at all. So you guys were just uh, grilling each other with security questions and that's how you got to know each other. Well, I was like trying to support her because she was wilting under the pressure. Uh, So, um, Katie's so sweet and uh, empathetic. So, uh, we, (laughs) yeah, but we just, we just clicked. It was, we could laugh easily, but also talk about things that, you know, we cared about and that were important to us and just flow in and out of that readily. Um, I like to talk a lot and she's a great listener. So I guess it was a good, uh, a good good fit. Yeah. Hey, um, you, you shared with this with me recently and I'd like to know, I'd like everybody to know what was your, like, your opening line that got you into that conversation. Uh oh. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, for those who don't know, I'm a redhead with very pale skin uh, that usually goes with that uh, hair color. And Katie is also a redhead uh, with pale skin. And so she walked up and I, I kind of asked her, you know, hey, here's the check-in process. But then my first joke was, uh, so, so what kind of sunscreen did you bring to survive in the Middle East? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and she thought it was funny. And that's so I guess good. that's, that's kind of our relationship. I say ridiculous <laughs> things for some reason she thinks it's funny and, uh, that's my God's grace. So. Nice. Yeah. I, could, I could, we could just divert the rest of the questions and talk and listen to Brad talk about the relationship. I love it. Yeah. Uh, y'all, yeah, y'all have set a model and an example in your relationship and, um, yeah, it's beautiful to see and, uh, it's even better sometimes to hear. Yeah. 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 I was, um, I was in, you came into, uh, our space, um, around the time that you were thinking towards engagement and all. And so, um, you, we talked a lot about, um, just maintaining, purity and courtship and uh as you know these kind of old terms nowadays um were really fleshed out before my eyes because that was not mine and my wife's story um we had a very different story but it was really it was really awesome to watch you guys walk through that um and i'm sure it was difficult i'm sure it was hard but you you remained faithful to god and faithful to one another through the that what year 18 months 
of en- engagement or so. Um, t- talk about that a little bit, like uh, maybe some of the, the victories and struggles that, that happened within that, because I think it's so odd for that to happen today. It's worth talking about out loud so that people can hear this as, uh, as a good example to follow. Yeah, I think Katie and I both rejoice in the fact that on our marriage day, we stood before our friends and family and God and could genuinely look at each other and know that we had walked this entire dating and engagement path in purity together. Um, and that is, that is just a wildly underappreciated, um, victory to have. I think, uh, I think that kind of set both of our tone and expectations together. And so again, I'd had some good examples in my life. I think my brother was, uh, a big one and just how he had conducted his relationship with his wife. And we talked through that kind of stuff. And so, um, really it started from the time we decided to start dating. We knew we were friends. We knew that we were serious Christians. We knew that we loved the Lord. And so we kind of said, Hey, uh, you know, what's dating going to look like and what are some of our intentions in dating? And we just had marriage in view from the outset. Uh, so not that we knew we were going to get married, but we kind of said like, we don't know where God's leading our paths. And so we're going to hold our relationship with an open hand. And then we're going to just trust God. We're going to walk forward and see if God brings our paths together, if it brings them apart. And I said to her, I said, and I don't know if it was right at the beginning there, um, but within a couple months, I said to her, I want to conduct ourselves in such a way that if I'm not your future husband, that I can walk up to your future husband someday and shake his hand and he can look me in the eye and say, thank you for the way you cared for my wife in the season that God had her with you. Um, Mm. and I think that's what, that's what I wish. That's what I wish from Katie's previous boyfriend, um, that I could have walked up to him and said that, um, instead I can't. And, uh, that's what I wish from my previous girlfriends that they could have met and Katie and her could have said, Hey, we appreciate, um, just the way you were used by God to pour into my spouse in the season that God puts you in their life. Um, and I think that is the idea of what Christian brothers and sisters should be. We're Christian brothers and sisters until God clearly brings us to the point where he makes us something more, uh, something more significant. And in that season of dating, these are seasons where God is working through us as his instruments to help shape and grow the other more up into the image of Christ uh, in them. And and I wanted that to be true of our relationship, even if we didn't end up, you know, marrying one another. And so with that, that just meant, okay, that's our idea. And uh, what does that look like practically? And uh, this is not programmatic. This is not by design. But we said, hey, we know that, like, when kissing starts, um, the – I mean, just to get real specific, when kissing starts – uh, the lines get blurred very quickly from everything that goes past that. 
Um, when, you know, start kissing, then you start kissing for longer, then you start holding on to each other longer, and then maybe you're tired of standing up, so now you're sitting down or laying down, right? And it's it's a very fast progression, and uh, and so I think as adults we can recognize this, and that's how God designed uh, this uh, these relationships to work. Um, and so we actually said we wouldn't kiss until engagement, and um, and a lot of people think that's crazy, but uh, honestly, once we knew it was in line, it made the entire relationship very freeing up to that point. Um, so, how do you, so how do you so. take the, the argument? I, I think it's a bit of a, um, uh, well, I'll keep my opinion to myself. How, how do you respond to an argument like, um, you know, the people that want to live together before marriage and these kind of things, like you need, they would say maybe you need to, we, you need to live together before marriage so you know whether or not you can, uh, you're going to be a good, you know, compatible with one another, um, whether or not this is a, a relationship that you could be bought into long term. Um, you know, that's a very, very common uh, approach to relationships today. Yeah, re- relational test driving. Right, exactly. So how do, how do you respond to, um, you know, to kind of argue for the way you guys did it as, um, as, as really the, the best way versus that kind of more cultural approach to it? Yeah, I think at the heart of that model is something that's, diametrically opposed that might be too strong of a statement but it's it's opposite of what the intention of christian relationships and and most intimately the marital relationship is supposed to be so at the heart of the model of hey we need to date and live together for a while to see if this works uh essentially you are each testing one another and you're each trying to say do I get enough out of this person mm. for my personal benefit and for my personal joy and happiness and comfort and whatever it might be? Uh, you're trying to see what can I get out of this person and doesn't meet the threshold for me to say, yes, I can actually do this for life. Now, at the heart of Christian relationships is not what I can get, but also – but what has God given me to give to this person for their upbuilding, for their growth, for their joy, for their benefit? And so that's, that's a whole different model. And if I'm saying that, then I would say, well, one of the big things that absolutely would not build them up in the Lord and encourage them in their faith and help them grow in purity in their spiritual walk is me actually leading them into sin and into things that create hurt and pain at a very deep emotional level, et cetera. And so, um, so I think that's the big difference. And, mm-hmm. uh, my heart for any Christian relationship is, I mean, for our friendship, it's not, nah, does, is Aaron cool enough or, uh, does he like give me enough wisdom to keep me intellectually stimulated or, uh, yes, you know, does it give me food? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's not like what I can get. It's just kind of like, I, I appreciate Aaron and I love Aaron and what's God given me in this relationship to pour into him and, and vice versa. That's at a like, very basic level. Um, but then at a marital relationship, um, especially that is the heart of love. It is not self getting yeah. ultimately self giving and if that's what you're wanting 
a true love relationship that is the heart of the father, the heart of the Trinitarian relationship, and the thing that gives you maximum joy in life, then uh, then you practice those patterns and you set them up in the dating relationship so that it is the grounds and it's already humming by the time you guys get married mm. and that's already your interaction. That's good, man. Yeah. So you have been a model of that over this uh, most recent season with you and your wife. Tell us a little bit about where you are now and um, just real quick what, what your wife's doing, what you're doing, and uh, how you're enjoying the, the great University of Notre Dame. Yeah, we are the in okay Northern University. Indiana. The OK University. The storied history uh, the storied. Yeah. of... Yeah, with, uh, with an overrated football team every year. Um, <laughs> yep. so, <laughs> uh, but they got their history. Yeah, it's we are being, being redheads. We are with our people. Um, <laughs> you know, so wearing blue and green... It does not look odd anymore. Everybody else is doing the same thing. Uh, so that's, that's just really comforting. I said to Katie, I said, hey, if I can't get a job when we move up there, I'm just going to put on all green and try to walk on the field as the mascot for the, for the team. They got, a pretty, they got a pretty good shot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Could you do all those push-ups, though? Uh, could no, you do no, I, yeah. I definitely did not. Uh, I'd have to hire that out. So contract <laughs> it. Um, so, um, yeah, we're, we're in Northern Indiana, about 10 minutes off the Michigan border. And the only reason I mentioned that is because the church I work at is right over the Michigan border. So I actually pastor in a town called Niles, Michigan. And, uh, it's kind of part of the greater Notre Dame, South Bend, Indiana area. And, uh, yeah, my wife is doing her PhD in philosophy at Notre Dame, focusing in epistemology and philosophy of religion. So the theological topics and um, and the kind of more heady style uh, or the heady considerations when it comes to faith and understanding that we are passionate about. She gets to attack from the philosophical realm and delve into. And so that's what brought us to this area. And uh, the Lord and his providence opened up a wonderful job at a wonderful church right in the season that we had decided that's what he was calling us to. And so we just feel tremendously blessed and uh, are really enjoying it up here. Hmm. So there's an example of not what you can get, but how you can give and serve your wife um, yeah. as she pursues so guess, her education. Yeah, I guess part of that was Katie got into the program. I had an awesome job at OV Church uh, working with Multiply and uh, working with you guys and we were all great friends and also um, just brothers in Christ that were I think doing unique and awesome things together and we were all happy and the Lord said I want you to move to Notre Dame and that was that was a battle that was a prayer battle for us I didn't want to go and didn't want to leave and um, and loved Norfolk and was trying to say what well, what does the future look like here but it was just abundantly clear for both of us. And we just, it was the same thing. We have, I have a verse on the inside of my ring, my wedding ring. It's Psalm 8611. And it's kind of been our relationship verse. And it's teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may walk in your truths and unite my heart to fear your name. Uh, and in these seasons where we didn't know what to do, we would just say, well, teach us your ways, O Lord. We want to walk in your truth. We want to walk in your paths. And ultimately unite our hearts individually, 
unite the affections of our individual hearts on you and unite our hearts together to fear your name above all else. And um, that was what we prayed. And in that, it just became clear. He brought us in unity together to know he wants us to go. And then I said, okay, now I have to figure out what a job looks like and what transitioning out of OV looks like. And that was scary. And uh, the Lord, the Lord provided, and he didn't have to provide. Uh, We would be blessed otherwise, even if I was working a construction job. Uh, But he did exceedingly abundantly more than we'd ask or think. So praise God. Yeah, that's good, man. Thank you uh, for sharing that. I just, I love, I love the story of of you and Katie um, coming together in marriage and the whole engagement marriage process to the point where, um, you know, some may joke that now you just follow her around and ride her coattails. Uh, but the reality is, yeah, you say that actually. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't heard anybody else except for Brad say that. So uh, you're good. (laughs) But, um, but the, the truth is, yeah, you, you're just, you're just supporting one another in that process. And this Mm -hmm. is what it led to. I agree. I, I, I hated that you had to go. Um, we were, we're good friends and still are. Um, but at the same time, you know, it was very clear that this is what the Lord was doing. So, so we get to get, uh, get together once in a while and have some uh, have some fun together. Uh, you know, um, in either Lynchburg, Virginia, or Youngsville, Pennsylvania, uh, occasionally. Uh, so it's a lot yeah. of fun. Um, so yeah. before we uh, transition topics a little bit here, I just would like to know because we're looking. If you can't, obviously, you can't see us as you're listening, but we're looking at Brad on a video screen right now. And the only question that I have is, are you wearing pants? <laughs> um, I am. Okay. Well, they're very soft and comfy pants. <laughs> okay. Uh, so. He's got a nice flannel shirt on, you know, buttoned up almost yep. to the top, yep. and then hair's, he lo- nice. hair's done. Hair yep. looks good. Yep. I just saw a picture uh, or little Isla bumper head in there. On the side and yeah. uh, Acadia yeah. a minute ago. What breed? Um, <laughs> Border Collie. Okay. Border Collie. Yeah. Yeah. And I just needed to know if you were, if you had pants on. So I uh, appreciate your honesty. Uh, yeah, but they are, they are comfy, loungy pants and nice. flip flops. Weird story. Pants. We were at the outlets the other day and I tried on my first pair of like jean sweatpants. And uh, uh-huh. I didn't, I'm, I don't know, maybe hmm. they weren't the right ones, but I just, yeah. you know, I'm sure they're for others, just not for me. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm cool enough. I don't think I could pull it off. They also had the, the uh, elastic like uh, ankle and Ooh, no. I, that was, yeah, that was yeah. the do away. Uh, like you, yeah. you can't get away with jeans that. if they're elastic at the bottom. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate that. Cause I'm short and my pants have been too long for me my whole life. Oh, okay. uh, even given the, getting the shortest ones. And so I, <laughs> So anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Good point. Good point. Um, Maybe great outside, like winter work pants. You know, um, when you have to yeah. walk to the store, or some I get to walk to the store, <laughs> so I live yeah, close. That's good. So, all right. So um, you've alluded to it a little bit, and people have heard you speak now for uh, several minutes here. Uh, you know, we get the idea that um, that that teaching, that education, um, and more spiritually speaking, that theology um, is really just a passion of yours. It's something that um, that I know about you that you love to help people understand, and you love to teach uh, these things. Um, I'm just curious, like where did that where did that come from with you, and uh, how did 
obviously, you know, God did a work in you, but, um, but just kind of practically speaking, like, how did you, how did you land it? Man, this is what I want to do. I want to study the Bible, help people understand the Bible. Um, yeah. Where did that start in you? Yeah, I think like most things in my life, it was kind of a slow growth, not a dynamic season. Um, you know, I never actually hit a growth spurt. I just kind of slowly grew to the very short stature that I am now. And it's still waiting. Uh, yeah. Uh, I still, I still keep my arm in shape in case the MLB wants me, but, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. no, <laughs> uh, the Tim Tebow of pastors I am. Um, but anyway, I, uh, I, um, yeah, I think it was a slow kind of journey and, I think the Lord kind of made me to be an academic and I say that lightly because now that I met my wife, uh, and <laughs> some of the people I, I mean, two academics and I was like, Oh no, yeah, that's definitely not me. But, um, but I was, I was just, uh, good in school. I think I was good at just reading and, uh, and writing and I appreciated language and, um, and seminary studies were pretty instrumental in just kind of God pointing out some of the gifts and strengths he's given me. And so a lot of it's just how God made me. Uh, I think heart wise, I grew up in the church and I was in Awana and I, I mean, I, I think I still have some state records in Northwest Arkansas for Awana. I don't know. Um, mm, I was, we're going to have to right, it was, fact it was check that. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. Um, you know, three-legged race champion. But anyway, I, uh, um, yeah, I, I was just, I knew so much scripture and I could say the books of the Bible, uh, from the time I was like five years old, honestly, I could go through all of them. And I, and I even knew them in their context and kind of what the general idea of them was. I just, that's what I grew up. I grew up a pastor's kid, grew up in that type of uh, place where we cared about the Bible and taught it to our children. But, um, but somehow in all of that, I missed Christ and I missed the gospel of grace. And, and I actually missed God's heart and the threads that really tie scripture together and the intricacy and the beauty of how scripture is composed. And it's, it's just this, it's this endless bottomless well of riches. And, and I didn't appreciate it that way. It was just something I did, something I tried to perform. And so it was a season, there was, there was a key season in my life uh, where I was really trying to grow in the Lord. And I was just in a good, faithful, small church where they preached the word faithfully and explained it in more detail and brought some of the theological uh, groundings uh, to to the forefront and just help me piece some of those things together. And I just, I saw God, I saw Jesus, I saw his grace, I saw the gospel and all of its wonder um, in a unique way. And, uh, and I was like, man, I want to be able to, I want to be able to bring the riches of the Bible to bear on other people's hearts. I think when people ask me, what do I want to do with my life? You know, when I was younger, I, uh, well, sorry, when I was more like, in my twenties and I'd already started kind of following the Lord faithfully. I would say, I don't know. Uh, I don't know where the Lord will put me, but I do want to be involved in bringing the fullness of the riches of the word of God to bear on people's hearts. 
so that it might have its full effect in their life. So that's what happened to me. Just yeah. the, the word of God was brought to bear on my heart and it, and it changed me, it made me someone I, I wasn't. Mm. And, uh, and, um, whether that was the time of salvation or just a time of great sanctification, I, I don't know. Um, but, uh, well, we are, we're, we're thankful for, for that gift that the Lord has given you and your, your work and your passion for that. Um, those who may not know, um, Brad works for our Multiply family of churches as well, and um, he's essentially our, our pastor of theology therein, um, and uh, develops um, sermon prep uh, sheets for us every week um, as we're walking right now through the gospel according to Luke, and uh, we we get a a three to five page paper essentially single spaced um, of collected commentaries, um, Brad's thoughts on things, um, and man, I'm telling you, uh, this is part of what we do at Multiply when we come to talk about sharing resources. Um, Brad himself is one of those resources, and uh, um, and it's it's amazing for for a pastor or preacher, teacher, um, to be able to have that collection of study done, because especially when as a church planner, we're getting ready to plant a church here in the next year or so out of Little Creek, and uh, that guy, Dylan, um, is going to benefit so much from this kind of collected study, because, uh, you know, when you're a church planner, you don't need to be spending eight to ten hours a week on sermon prep. That's just ridiculous. Like, there are so many other things that need to happen first. Um, and so, uh, for me, just that, that, that study sheet that we get from Brad cuts my sermon prep in half, um, at least, so I can usually finish it in a morning now instead of an entire day. Um, and yep. it's, it's been it's been massive. Yeah, it's so. been great, Brad. Thank you. We've actually had some meetings on Thursdays lately, so that's right. good. Typically, his yeah. sermon prep day. It's been good. <laughs> so, brother, uh, this morning, all the way in to the office, uh, I must have slept wrong. Uh, I've had some you know, back and neck pain for a few years now on and off, uh, typically caused just by my own, uh, problems or, or sleep habits or lack of water and exercise. Yeah. However, yeah. um, nothing near what chronic pain, uh, you or others might be, um, feeling And the Lord put it in my heart this morning to just ask how that's going. You've had, a. a for me now, it seems like a few years, like it's been a while that there's been a consistent issue physically, and um, we've been able to, again, see you model faithfulness through unrelenting pain um, or confusion, and um, I have not seen despair, though. Uh, tell us about the last few years and uh, maybe the next few years even, and what, what physical health and spiritual health have meant to you the last couple yeah um yeah this is kind of the current and perpetual battle of faith for me um so i think it's wonderful that you guys haven't seen despair and negativity or anything like that and i think that's just god's grace in my wife who uh talks with me who ministers to me who supports me who um lets me lets me say the things that aren't helpful to say out in public uh, sure. to her or maybe in prayer with her. And, um, and she's just so gracious and, uh, and sweet and kind and wise as well. And so, um, so just, you know, that's kind of a, a bow on some of the, 
relationship conversations um, we had before. And so I, uh, yeah, so for those who don't know, which most don't, um, I have kind of a combination of some sleep issues that uh, really keep me from being energized and create a lot of brain fog and uh, lack of clarity and sharpness on a lot of days. And then and then also an autoimmune disorder where I have pain in lots of parts of my body uh, and it undulates, it kind of goes up and down. Sometimes it's worse, sometimes it's better, um, but that's pretty constant. Uh, and um, and also just kind of like some other aspects of that. And so uh, just arthritic symptoms all over the, my, my body and so, it is. Uh, I used to be an athlete, um, and I do say used to because I think it's been like a five years since I've done anything athletic. So I think I can't say I'm still an athlete anymore. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, recreational sports and just a constant pattern of that, a constant pattern of always being in the gym to some degree, jogging, running, biking, something uh, was always a big part of my life. And it has not been the last handful of years. And that's been difficult to come to terms with is a big part of my personality a big part of my identity mm-hmm. um and how i coped with stress and uh and just general overall health and so um i would say it's it's not a battle i've won it's a battle that i have to win four or five times a day uh and mm-hmm. um and i don't always win it uh sometimes i do um, fall into despair. Sometimes I do fall into anger, bitterness, self, just self focus. Um, and so, so that's been kind of my journey and it does affect spiritual health. Um, if you can't focus and you're falling asleep really easily and you can't maintain, uh, just a sharp mind. It's really difficult to study the scriptures, um, not just for work stuff, but for personal benefit and, uh, and growth. And, you know, in prayer, you, prayer is not just something that you throw your list of things out, but you have, you engage your affection. So actually, uh, ask God by his grace and then to call yourself up to genuine, heartfelt, deep worship. Well, that, that takes energy. Um, and it takes some stores of, uh, of verve or her life to, to kind of generate. And sometimes that's quite difficult. And so, um, I have through multiple sources, uh, just been dwelling on the fact that we have a very poor theology of suffering in the church. Um, and uh, me, who have studied all kinds of theology, when I encounter trials like this in life, uh, the first thing I think is something's wrong with my spiritual walk. Surely God owes me health, um, or something's wrong with God, uh, or um, or I just need deliverance from this. Surely it can't be God's heart to make me walk through this because He has a plan in it. And I think I think that's accurate broadly. And probably especially in the West, where we just don't have to suffer or go through really any kind of trial. And I don't, I don't even, I feel a little uncomfortable putting those words on my condition. It's not, it's not deep mm-hmm. suffering. It's not real deep trials. Uh, um, it's they're more nuisances in the grand scheme of things. But um, so I think we, 
I, I think that's a big part of it. The Bible, I mean, in almost every single New Testament letter, people are encouraged to hold fast, to press on, to persevere, uh, to uh, just grab hold of God's grace alone in the midst of difficulties and trials. And and I do think in the more advantaged world, that's something that we don't do well. And we we actually, instead of turning to God, we actually try to give up on God in the, in the midst of difficulty. And and we don't see God's plan and God's heart in difficult things in our lives. And, uh, and so I think that's been some of the journey I've been going on. And I think some of the things that I've just been trying to work into our discipleship conversation and patterns in our church now. And, uh, and I, I think that's it. Almost everybody's stressed. Almost everybody feels overworked. Almost everybody feels like they're drowning in life uh, for a number of different reasons. And everybody in their prayer life, you, you really see this in people's prayer lives. When you go around a group and people say, here's my circumstance, pray that God would change that, would deliver it, would heal it, would whatever. It's, it's just take me out, take me out, take me out of the trial. And there are, and, that, and those are fine. Those are good. Um, those are fine to pray for. And we see that in the Bible, but I think we should have more of types of prayers of here's my current situation. Um, could you pray for me along these lines? Cause this is my battle of faith. This is where I want to turn away from the Lord. This is where I fall into a sinful discouragement, not just a basic kind of downness. Um, and we don't pray for ourselves in the midst of trials. Uh, and we don't pray that we would be God's ambassadors and uh, representatives of Christ, even if the trial doesn't go away. And and I think that's something that um, has been on my heart and something that I'm learning and I think is is very important. That God, you know, God doesn't owe us things. That's, that's, that's the core to our faith. God doesn't owe us anything. He gives it by his grace. And God is sovereign in his purposes are true and they're right and they're good. And we have to come to terms with that. That's easy when everything's going good. It's not easy when you don't like your circumstances. Um, yeah. And you know, it's, it's a, it's a Romans five type of mentality, right? I think it's verse, I don't know, somewhere three verses three to five in there where it talks about how your suffering um, produces uh, character, endurance and hope. Right. And so some of the, some of the prayer, focus in the midst of suffering is not necessarily God, please take it away. It's Lord, help me endure. Like you said, help me, help me to hold fast, help me to not turn away. Um, and might you take the circumstance away or the difficulty away, please. But if you don't, at least help me to endure, at least help me to know who you are in the midst of this and let that be enough, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, just Philippians, Philippians is all about this. It's just yeah. Paul's just writing joy, joy in the Lord, rejoice. Um, and I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance are, right. I'm in. And, and we forget that he's writing from a prison cell. Right. Yeah. And and he's probably hurt, and he's probably bandaged. He's, well, he's probably not bandaged. He probably needs to be bandaged. And uh, and he, it's dark, it's dank. Um, and, and he can't do what God's called him to do. He thought he was supposed to be an apostle traveling, preaching the gospel, planting churches, and he's stuck in a prison cell. And he says, man, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. And yeah. I think that's the thing. 
that we can come to terms with more readily. Do you do you consider some of your physical um, uh, struggles uh, that kind of that thorn in the flesh that Paul talked about? Is that something you think about? Yeah, uh, I, the thorn in the flesh is funny. It's I think it's intentionally vague, and we never right, know what it is. Right. And I think it's so that it can be applied to lots of different things. I'm I'm sure that uh, I'm pretty sure that whatever I'm experiencing is not near what Paul was experiencing <laughs> when he wrote. But I do find, I do find that my hope is in the, in the tough moments. And when I'm just, I'm just tired of it. Right. Uh, is that statement, my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah. My grace is sufficient for you. And, and I, and I realize that like, I don't know that I really believe that. Um, mm. I preach it. I tell other people it, but when it really comes down to it, I'll have to admit that sometimes I, I don't know if I really believe that uh, yeah. is God's grace in Christ truly enough. Yeah. Um, and if it's not, then what did I actually put above Christ that I actually desired more than him? Um, and I'm trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction. Yeah. What role does community play in not just physical suffering, but um, uh, in the midst of, trials, struggles of just everyday life kind of things. Um, and, uh, how is, how is community? Um, and by that, I mean, biblical community, um, you know, just having a people to rely on beyond your wife. Um, you know, that's clearly a a healthy thing that's going on right now with you and Katie. And that's awesome. Um, but, but how about other people and how do you, what does that look like to lean into other folks and your commitment to that at this season and in your life right now and kind of speak to it a little bit generally as well, obviously thinking about our listeners and uh, just how, how we can practically do that uh, in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, Boy, there's like five different uh, launch points I could approach that from, but I'll, I'll, since we were just talking about my personal story, I'll start there and then I'll broaden it. Um, For me, just regular biblical community is, is great because in hard seasons, you need people who are unified with you at the at a very heart level, right? Your values and what you prioritize and what your hopes and expectations are and the reality that you inhabit. Um, you need people who kind of readily understand those things so you don't have to try to defend that or go over it or rehash it. And you can say, we agree here and let's talk at this level. Um, giving each other credit for for the other things and so i think that's just rich i think um the spirit in other believers is what enables us to really have some good conversations and to share openly and to to trust trust the grace and mercy of community as we seek to experience the grace and mercy of christ uh walked out in that community and so um so that's been important for me. Uh, also just, I mean, community broadly, just levity, right? Yeah. The big thing about community, the big thing about community is it makes you, it makes you stop thinking about yourself and focusing on yourself so much and start focusing on other people. Mm-hmm. And part of that's just humor and fun and thinking about other things. It's also hearing what's going on in their life mm-hmm. and saying like, Oh wow. Like that, I'm not the only one with trials. They, they got, they got some things going on in their life and, and I focus on them. And that's a real reprieve to just stop mm-hmm. thinking about yourself. Um, yeah, one thing about true. one thing about chronic pain is 
your body is sending signals to your mind constantly, like mm. pay attention to yourself, pay attention to yourself, pay attention to yourself. And mm. I think, I think that's one of the curses of it is, um, that's, that's just not healthy. Man, that is, that is rich. I, I think that could go a lot of different ways too, but I yeah. think the, the flesh, like that is the battle of the flesh, right? It, the battle of the flesh is not only to maybe distract you from what's going on physically, but we are in flesh. So um, because we are incarnate um, flesh and spirit, there is a battle that happens spiritually within us, right? And it's not like, uh, I've always understood it this way, it's not like the enemy is not within us, it's not inside us, right? As Christians, the spirit is inside us. And so what's warring within our members, according to uh, Romans 7, is, uh, is, is flesh and spirit, but it's our flesh that is, um, uh, that is it, it's weak, um, it's brittle, it's, it's in some cases broken, um, and yeah, when that is tampered with in some kind of way, you do end up looking more inward. Um, and the whole battle of the flesh and spirit is to look to the spirit, right? Is to look to the Lord um, as one who, who has provided all that we need in Christ to overcome the flesh. Yes, even those physical things. So, uh, and he gives us that grace of community and that grace of um, the common grace of, uh, or the, the, the means of grace of just, just prayer and, and spending time with him in his word and to overcome these things. And um, man, that's really good. That, that I didn't really thought deeply about that before, just how, how inwardly you start to look when you're, when you're sick or when you're ill or when you're, uh, when you're struggling with something. Um, it's all about you, right? Yeah, uh, the alarms are going off. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And that's, right. I think this is, battle, this is battle of faith more broadly. It, just to comment on what you said there is um, the battle of faith often is believing what is true in the midst of circumstances and experiences that perceived from our own fallen wisdom uh, we believe is is not true so my experiences and my uh, whatever the circumstances I'm in would indicate that yeah God doesn't really care uh, or that um, or that something is wrong in some sense, uh, God's grace is not enough, uh, all these things right there, whatever it is, or yeah, you should focus on yourself. That is, that's the most important thing because that's what your body's telling you to do. Uh, and it's in the midst of that to say, well, that's not true. That's not what God's word says. And, and I will believe and I will battle to believe what is true, even when my experiences and my own fallen wisdom says otherwise. And I think that applies to all kinds of things in life. If you're having marital problems, it's like my experience would say this person is never going to change and I'm never going to find joy and happiness in them. And, uh, and that this thing is broken and it can never be fixed. Right. Right. I could probably point to a lot of experiences that would indicate that in my own fallen wisdom, but what is true is that God has a purpose in this marriage and that his grace to, yeah. to save uh, can, can reign supreme. And what is true is that, uh, is that, staying faithful to this person that that is good and right and it's life-giving and there can be a difference and a change and 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 so this is the battle of faith on all kinds of fronts yeah Yeah, that's good speaking about the battle of faith on another front uh one thing we've discussed a little bit is what does it look like for a commitment to community 
in the midst of a negative world or a world that seems to be anti-Christian. But another another curveball, I'm going to stack two questions here. So that's the first question. What is the church missing theologically? Yeah. And are the two tied together or no? Yes, I think. I think most of these core aspects of the Christian life are necessarily tied together. We were not supposed to be segmented people. Um, I mean, this goes back to the fact that we're embodied creatures. Uh, you know, we are souls and in, fleshed, and so um, so our physical health affects our spiritual health regularly and our emotional health. But also theologically, or um, as people of faith, we are not segmented people. And so, to the first question the the idea of a negative world and for people who aren't familiar with that it's um there's a couple good articles by aaron wren uh one in first things there's a couple reduced synopses out there as well and it's just talking about the fact that there has been a change that's happened kind of from the generation most of us grew up in to the day and age now where the day and age we grew up in was a neutral world yeah being a christian it didn't quite give you uh, cultural political clout, but most people didn't mind. They're like, uh, as long as you let me do my thing, I'm good. We have shifted now to where to say I'm a Christian and I believe what the Bible says about some core things actually makes you something or someone that people revile, that they think are evil, that they think are hurtful, that they think um, are destructive to individuals and society in different ways. And and of course, our heart is to be everything but that. Mm-hmm. And that's very difficult to say like, man, what does it mean when people think I'm the opposite of what of what I truly am because of what I believe. And I think that's the idea of the negative world. And so um, I think that's a big aspect of just finding out what our faith, what our faith means in a more negative cultural setting. Um, world is probably too expansive, at least culture, a negative culture. Uh, and I, I do think the idea of community, two things. Um, it's very difficult to live only in the negative world. God might call you to that. Uh, I think that's a real missionary call, uh, but it's a very difficult thing without having people you can turn to and uh, find uh, encouragement and regularity and support in the core aspects of your faith that you share. Uh, and so I think, I think having good spaces to study the word of God together, pray together, share openly. And I do mean openly, not, only aspects of our life, and then we keep other aspects hidden. Um, so uh, really walking fully together in community. I think you need that, and that's actually what gives you strength and grace in life to actually go engage that world that we're still called to be in and inhabit. So there's two dangers. Sometimes you can say, we're, we're talking an up in and out paradigm, right? And so uh, f- focusing on the in, it's, it's, it's good to focus inwardly and to have interpersonal care and community and all that stuff. Uh, but if we overemphasize that, this triangle starts to kind of get deformed, right? And, um, and we overemphasize that, and that will cause us to want to withdraw. These are the only people I want to spend time with. Um, this, this, is, this is the only place I feel safe and okay. This is the only place I feel like I'm, uh, I have happiness and joy. And that's problematic because we're also called out. Uh, the Lord calls us to be ambassadors in a world that, um, that yeah, might be hostile to the faith or even uh, might just maybe even not openly hostile, but maybe just they look down on you or they make fun of you or they say you believe things that you don't or they misrepresent you. Um, those can be hurtful things. And so 
so I think we have to have our time in is what fuels us and strengthened us in our focus out. And, and of course we have to have a good upward focus where we are pursuing God, where we are um, being filled from above so that we can actually pour out mm. both interpersonal and externally uh, at the same time. And so that triangle has to be an equilateral triangle, right? It has to be the same, uh, the same amount of effort in each direction. If it starts to warp or shift in different ways uh, in our communal life, then, then we fall into error. Mm-hmm. So, Mm. Great answer, That's man. That's good. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you just for your commitment to truth. Um, you know, and I when when I was hearing you preach often, um, when you were here present, uh, a, a refrain that that I always go back to, um, not on the pulpit, but actually in my everyday life, uh, you used to say a lot. It's not true. Um, and maybe, it, it, maybe it was just the way you said it. And, and I know that you're not, you're not a very demonstrative person. Um, but the way you said it's not true to, to the church that you're preaching to, um, is something that uh, I just, it's a, it's always a good reminder. Like so many times we're believing lies, um, about ourselves, about the gospel, about the Lord, about the church, about all these things. Um, and a reminder of what is true and your commitment to the truth has been, uh, has been a beautiful thing. Um, so another truth, um, and, uh, that I want to know about is why do you prefer cardigans over pullovers? Oh, well, that's, that's pretty easy. easy. Uh, pullovers, they mess up your hair, right? Uh, okay. A large, a large part of sweaters is you're wearing them in seasons where it's kind of like cool in the mornings, but it gets warmer throughout the day. Or in your uh, case, like, like September to June, essentially. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, remember I, I have no physical activity in my life anymore, so I right. need to generate heat through outside means. Um, and, <laughs> You know, but also pullovers like, hey, we've all had that situation where you're like, need to take your sweater off. But like, for some reason, it's Velcro to the shirt underneath and, uh, <laughs> you're, out, and you're out of shape. And now everyone knows you're out of shape. <laughs> so, I mean, cardigan just covers, you know, over oversteps all of those bounds. And also it's just a little more classy. So. Mm. Yeah, yep. I think that's the real reason that last part. I'm in agreement with all of it. If you're wearing glasses, <laughs> yeah. if you're wearing a hat, if you did your hair that morning, cardigans just so much easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And also, and also, your wife loves wearing them as well when she gets cold. Yeah, you know, she just rolls the sleeves up a little bit. Mine doesn't because you know she's taller than me. But um, <laughs> but most people they roll the sleeves. Up a little bit. <laughs> okay, so what what I gotta ask too? Um, what's your most prized possession in your office? You got you got a nice bookshelf back there. Uh, I see a clock that's shiny and gold. Those are all Katie's books. Those aren't her okay, right. books. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what's in reach that you're like, man? If if uh, if I had to grab one thing from here, this is what I would take. Oh man! So right around the corner here. Well, let me look to make sure. Yeah, this is serious. This yeah. is a big question, man. Right. It's going to make or break everything. Like everything's toppling down right now, and you have to get out right now. What yeah. are you taking? So, Brad, you're you're losing the game. Right <laughs> I can show you guys, but the rest yeah. of the people won't see. So okay. this shelf here. Oh. That is my entire 1905 printed Charles Dick's, Dickens collection. Um, all of his works. Nice. In 
in red English leather. Uh, and then right above that is a pocket watch. That is my great, great grandfather's Ooh. pocket watch. And it's been passed down to uh, the youngest son of each generation. And so my dad gave that to me on my wedding and it never worked the entire time he had it, but he finally found a guy who could fix it. And it actually winds and it clicks down and it's just a, it's cool. Wow, that's um, really so neat. I think the things on that shelf I would have to grab. Okay. Um, and then Katie's Katie's compact edition of the Oxford English Dictionary, that's her most valuable thing here because <laughs> she's a big book. Yes, so. love it, love it. Well, she is she is studying a topic that is like how how do we learn knowledge <laughs> like from the yeah. deepest and broadest level. So... Brother, you are in another uh, ministry setting. Um, it would it would be selfish of us to to try and claim you all to ourselves. You are serving another community um, and doing life with them. Uh, for some people that uh, you're serving or that you're doing life with, that might be catching this. Um, yeah, how's it going? And and what would you have to say to them in uh, 15 seconds or less? To my current million, to your current, yeah. Yeah, something yeah. encouraging or thanks or, uh, yeah, what's what's been fun or um, life-giving? This is a church that does family well. Uh, their individual families, uh, I think, are just wonderful examples of what a gospel-centered family should be, and then the church feels like a family as well. And and you would say, oh, it must be like a really small church, but we're actually like a solid mid-sized church, around 300 people per week. Mm. And so when people come into this church, walk in the door, um, they feel like they don't just meet friends, but they meet people who are family, who love their kids as much as they love their kids and will care for them as much as their other family members care for them. And in a day and age where the family has been severely embattled and damaged in a lot of ways. A lot of people have never experienced that. And I think we have that gift in this church and it's, it's just a wonderful, wonderful testament to God's grace. So. Amen. Well, that's good, man. Well, thank you for being with us on Behind Open Doors. Finally, um, it's been uh, twelve episodes in, and you and uh, you finally made the podcast. So, uh, <laughs> that is a gross oversight. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been good, man. I just appreciate your friendship, appreciate what you offer to the kingdom, um, and certainly what you offer to our little family of churches. Um, you know, sixteen hours away over here, whatever it is. Yes. Um, just yeah. uh, just grateful for you, bro. Thank you for all that you've brought to the table. I'm just thankful for the Lord for for your gifting, and um, look forward to doing this again soon. Yeah. Hey, big part of my heart still in Norfolk, so I won't be going long, I'm sure. So, uh, love you, brother. All right, love you guys. All right, thanks. Love you, man. Okay. Man, anytime I talk to that guy, I'm just so encouraged and so lifted up. You know, you wanna you wanna have friendships in life that elevate you. You know what I'm saying? And hundred percent. And uh, I think we do that for each other, and that's why we wanted to start this thing because um, not that we have anything uh, relationally to always offer our listeners, but I think just the content, the things that we talk about, um, it just it just elevates the room, and and I enjoy that. Uh, and, yeah. and Brad contributes to that in my life, and uh, I hope he was able to contribute that to your life as a listener today as well. Uh, obviously, a sharp dude. 
dude. Um, he yes. knows his stuff, and yes. uh, he he's not afraid to challenge things uh, in ways of thinking. Um, but uh, I always leave encouraged after talking to Brad. Amen. We just had a conversation before we actually got Brad on the phone, and it was about having conversations. Yeah. And the Gen Z uh, struggles to have conversations with one another like this. And so my, my heart and, and hope through these is that, it yeah, the content is great, but um, how do we have these conversations with one another? Yeah. And, and learn how, each other's stories, right? Learn like about the each story aspect past. of that is so is so important. And learn um, to ask good questions. Yeah, yeah. And agreed. I, I love it. I love um, I love getting to care for others by getting to know them. Yeah. Uh, it, it allows us other areas to to pour into their lives as well. So yeah. if you found this podcast helpful, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. This helps us to be seen by other folks who may enjoy a behind the scenes discussion. Or, or questions or conversation like this. You can also join our Facebook page where we have further discussions about each episode. And finally, you can share this episode and others to your social media pages. You've been listening to the Behind Open Doors podcast, where we take you behind the scenes, discovering what it takes to multiply disciples, leaders, and new churches. Let the word dwell richly in you, and may God multiply your efforts for the kingdom.